We're looking at Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade away. The word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we look at it tonight. Heavenly Father, as we do every week, we, we stop to pray because... Not because it's just what you do before a sermon, but, but because we really are needy. We, we really would not understand anything about you if you didn't open us up to it. If your Holy Spirit doesn't work, then nothing good will happen here. But you say that it will. You say that your word will go out and it will be powerful and it will accomplish its purposes. And so, Father, we pray your word back to you and we ask that that would happen. And that we would leave here changed for the better. We need it, Jesus. And we, uh, we ask, uh, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, it was my sophomore or maybe junior year of college. I can't exactly remember. Uh, but one of my best friends uh, from high school was in town, and we went over to um, to Danvers to get some, some chicken tenders at a local place in Oxford. And it was a little later than your typical dinner time, and so there weren't very many people there. And we go up to the counter to order, and as the girl's taking our order, uh, I notice, and my friend and I notice, that another Danvers worker is sort of just behind her, and she's sitting on a stool, and, and she's not looking very good, like, as in health-wise. Like, she, she doesn't seem like she's doing okay. And so I'm trying to order, but, I, you know, I'm kind of looking at this. She's an older lady, and I'm looking at her, and she, she's on the phone, and she's kind of slumping over. And, uh, and so I, I asked the girl that's taking my order, is she Okay. And this girl that's taking my orders kind of like half glances back and just rolls her eyes. And is very disinterested. And just a, a second later, she just slumps all the way over and the phone hits the floor and so does she. And so my, my friend and I walk back there, you know, quickly over her. And, and it's clear that she is not okay. Right? She's having trouble breathing. She says her chest is really hurting her. And so I pick up that phone, this is 1997, so like landline, right, has a cord on it, and I call 911 and start, you know, telling, like, this woman is in really bad shape, and, you know, as I describe the symptoms, uh, she's, the 911 lady says, it seems like she's having a heart attack, 
So here's what you need to do, right? You need, you know, in the meantime, we're going to send the, uh, um, uh, the ambulance, right? EMS is coming. But in the meantime, right, you need to keep her alert. You need to ask her her name. Uh, you need to, you know, keep talking to her. And so, you know, we're trying to talk to her as I'm on the phone. And she says, uh, and if, if she should stop breathing, uh, you're going to need to start CPR, right? And so, man, like CPR, right? Like if, at this point in my life, that's something I'd seen on TV, right? I'd never. And, and so I want you to picture that scene, right, which I think you're doing already. And right in the midst of that, sort of at its height, as I'm thinking about, like, all right, th- this woman is, is, I've got this really bad situation on my hands. I don't know anything about anything how to help this lady, really. And, and right at its peak, right, I hear, uh, you know, something like emergency medical services. We're, we're here now. We're going to take care of her. Right? Like, yes, sir. I want you to think about how I felt, how relieved, how much joy I felt when I heard, when I heard that, right? When the people, I'm in the midst of this, this problem that I can't do anything about. Something needs to be done, but I can't fix it. And then I hear the voice of the people that can fix it, right? They say, it's, okay, it's going to be okay now because we're going to take care of it, right? That. That was a great moment for me and, and no doubt for her, right? Um, I did think about that whole illustration from my perspective and then I thought, you know, she was probably more excited than I was, but she ended up being fine, somewhat, you know, minor heart attack and she was okay. But that basic idea, that feeling, I want to suggest to you is really what Paul is trying to communicate to the Philippian believers here in our passage tonight. He's essentially saying this, look, listen, I've got some great news that has brought me joy, and it should bring you joy, and it's this, that your life, your salvation, right, this good work in you, it's going to be okay, because it's not up to you. Your salvation, your life is secure, it's going to be all right, because it's God's work, He's the one that can take care of it. And it's his start to finish. It's not up to you anymore. Just like at that moment, you know, it's going to be okay. This woman's going to be fine because it's out of my hands. That's essentially what Paul's saying. Right? This semester we're studying through Philippians, and it's a letter that's filled with joy. Paul talks about joy throughout the whole letter. And he talks about joy as a real and, and lasting thing. And yet it comes in the midst of of real life. Right? Paul doesn't just sort of live in the clouds. Uh, His life is is very real, so to speak. He's in prison. And so that's what we're looking at this semester. Real joy in the midst of real life. And tonight, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the fact that it's God that starts the good work in us. Secondly, you're going to see that it's God who continues the good work Thirdly and finally, it's God who finishes the good work. So first, it's God who starts the good work. So right, last week we looked at Paul's uh, greeting, right? He said, you know, I'm writing, this is Paul, I'm writing to the Philippians, grace and peace. And so now he sort of gets into the, you know, to the meat of his letter, the sort of Thanksgiving part. 
And yet here, what he, basically what he does is he's expressing thanks uh, for the Philippians. Uh, they, they, how, the, how the gospel has impacted them. Right? He planted their church. They heard the gospel from him. And he's giving thanks for the fact that it, it changed them. Uh, for the fact that not only did it, you know, they become Christians, but that they have supported his ministry in the, you know, it's something maybe like five years since. They've really been with him. And he's grateful because the gospel has really impacted their life, lives. But I want you to notice who Paul thanks. Did you notice that Paul says that he is thankful to God for what he's done in the Philippians? Right? He doesn't say, you know, Philippians, congratulations on your believing. Uh, you did it. Or, you know, thank you for believing. I appreciate it. But rather, Paul says he's thankful to God for their faith. And then, in verse 6, Paul really just comes right out and says what uh, maybe he's hinting at. And he says this, And I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, right there, Paul tells them and us very clearly, that it's God who started the good work in them. Now, why would he be telling them that? Well, it seems like at least a big part of the reason is that things in the Philippian church are not not going that great. They're going well enough, but, you know, for starters, right, Paul, their, their church planner who they love, is in prison. And not just in prison for, you know, whatever reason. He's in prison because of the gospel. The gospel that they believe and that they want to see advance. Um, evidently, we'll see from the letter, some of them are not getting along very well. There's some you know, fighting going on in the church, disagreements. Uh, there seem to be some folks um, that are preaching Jesus with, with bad intentions. Um, they're, they're grumbling and complaining about things. There might be some false teachings coming into the church. And so you can imagine that this church is kind of starting to get a little discouraged, right? Things started out really good. And I mean, heck, the, the Apostle Paul is your church planner, right? Like, that's pretty awesome. And, and now things are not going as well as they want. So you can imagine that they're looking around and, and just a little discouraged by that, right? We're, we're not where we're supposed to be. Or we figured at this point we would be better by now. And so Paul looks at him and says, look, hey, in the midst of all of this, I want you to know you can have joy because it's God who started this work in you. In fact, you can actually go back and read about how the church started in Acts 16. Acts 16 is the story of his first interactions with the people that he met there in Philippi. And one of them was a a lady, seems to be a wealthy Jewish lady named Lydia. And I think she was the first one that he met. Um, and it says this about her, uh, verse 16, Acts 16, 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And then this, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Did you hear that? Right? The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Paul's... That's what Paul's talking about. That's just one evidence, right? That the whole reason that that Lydia or anyone believed or believes is because God did something first. 
God had to reach into Lydia's heart and change it somehow so that she could even hear it. And now look, if you're getting a little nervous about this and thinking, like if you're wondering, like, is this that whole like reformed theology, like election, predestination kind of stuff? Like, look, you can relax, okay? Because yes, it is, right? (laughs) It's exactly what it is. And look, I know that that might spark lots of different feelings and lots, and lots of questions and conversation, and that, that's great. We want that. Um, and again, happy to talk to you about it. But I, I want you to see what this text tells us, right? Because you might, you might love that stuff. You might love the whole reform, you know, election and all that. Or you might really not like it, okay? And so, by the way, you're welcome here, no matter where you are on that spectrum. But what I'm, I just want you to look at this text, right? I want you to see that it was God's initiative. God started this. He moved first. From Lydia's perspective, yes, it looked like she heard something. Uh, She heard the gospel from Paul, and she realized that she was a sinner and that she needed that and that Jesus was attractive to her um, and something that she needed, and, and she reached out in faith to Jesus. That's absolutely what it looked like. But the Bible's telling us that what went on sort of in a sense behind the scenes, maybe from God's perspective, is that it was actually that, that God moved first so that that was even possible. So what does that mean? That means, look, if you find yourself to be a believer, if you're here tonight and, and you're a Christian, you have faith, that that, it means that, that the reason that that is It's actually because God moved first toward you before you ever moved towards him. All right, so, but Paul's saying that this is a a joyful thing, right? So how is that? How can that be? Let's, I want to look at just a few implications or or maybe applications of that truth. Um, Yeah, first, look, if God really does start the good work of salvation in somebody's life, if, if it really is him moving first, then that means that it really is purely by grace that you're saved, that you have life. And if it really is by grace, that's going to generate a real sense of gratitude, of true thankfulness to God, right? Uh, This summer, uh, we went to the beach, and uh, when we... The last few minutes of our trip, our car, like when we hit a certain speed, was kind of shaking a little bit, so you know something's up with the tires. And so when we, get, we got there safely and took it to the uh, tire place, and uh, the guy told me, uh, he said, hey, your tire's separated, bro. I'm like, all right, bro, good. Um, and he said he could fix it, and he did. And I appreciated that, right? I mean, I paid him you know, a fair amount of money for it, and he did good work. And so, you know, I'm thankful for that, right? I knew there was a problem. I took it. He fixed it. But I want you to imagine this scenario. Let's say we stop for gas. And uh, maybe same guy happens to be stopped for gas. And he looks and, and he just, you know, he's got the trained eye. And he sees my car. And he sees that my tire is separated. You know, I don't really understand what that means, but kind of. And he comes over and he says, look, uh, you, your tire is, is messed up. And that could be really, basically it means the tread is coming off. And if it gets far enough, which it will, it'll blow out, right, which would be extremely dangerous. He says, look, you've got a problem. Um, that's going to be really dangerous. Here, let me, let me fix it. And he, you know, goes and gets his tools and he changes the tire right there and puts us on our way. Right? Think about that scenario. He, he did, like, he's got his busy day. He didn't have to do any of that, right? But he, 
He started it. He looked and he saw something. He could have gone his own way, but you know what? He said, I'm going to help this person. And he did, the, he did it all himself. And I said, man, can I pay? No, I don't worry about things. How much more grateful would I be in that scenario to that same guy? Right? That, that would be, like, I got a lot of gratitude for that, right? Because he, he didn't have to do that. I didn't even know I had a problem. And yet he stopped just because. Because he showed real grace. It would breed real gratitude. Right? I'd be, I'd be grateful not because I know I should be, right? But because I really appreciated it. Secondly, I think uh, the fact that God beginning the good work in us, that he begins it, it's going to produce humility in us. Right? It's going to make us more and more humble because we see ourselves rightly. Right? If the whole fact that I, I'm a believer, you're a believer, if it really is because God started this, then it, it wasn't because of anything you did. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that we can't. We're actually not able to because our hearts are so, uh, so set against God originally. And so that's going to breed a sense of, of, um, of humility, right? Not, looking at, not being condescending to other people. Not looking at other people uh, and thinking that, you know, I, I'm a little different because I, I figured it out. Or I don't act like that, but you know, I have faith because I, I at least saw I had a problem and, and moved towards God, right? It's not because we're a little spiritually sharper or morally, morally superior, but, but God just had grace on us. That's going to make us humble. Last application real quick. Um, it, it's going to, that's actually the beginning of actual assurance in the Christian life. Right? Because if it's true that the only reason I have a relationship with God at all is because He moved towards me first, then I can actually begin to have some assurance. That this whole thing is based on, on Him and what He's done and not on me. It's really not even so much based on my faith. Now look, faith is, is vital, right? But, but it's not even really the strength of my faith that's my assurance. But it's really just the fact that, that God has started a good work in me, that, that, that God is doing this. right? Because if it's about my assurance, can't, can't we always look back and say like, and, and question how sincere were we when we first believed? I mean, I believe, you know, that one day on that, you know, retreat or, you know, whenever. I was sincere, I, I, think, I think. Or what about even right now? How sincere is my faith? Is it sincere enough? Right, you see how, hmm, how tenuous that can be. But if it's really based on God beginning a good work, then there can be joy. Because it's based on what he's done. All right, secondly... We've seen that, uh, so first we've seen that uh, God starts the good work. Secondly, I want you to see that God continues the good work. Uh, he says that God is going to continue this good work and ultimately bring it to completion again in verse 6. Right? So look, what a beautiful truth that if you are a believer, if you have faith in Christ, Paul is telling us here that God is necessarily, He is at work in you right now, and he will finish what he started. And that it really ultimately is up to him. It's in his hands, start to finish. And not in his hands like, oh, I, it's up to him, I hope he does it. 
It's in his hands and he promises to finish it. Now look, we're going to talk in weeks to come about how the Christian life certainly involves our effort. Paul even talks about it here in this passage, right? He tells us what we're supposed to be. But there's good news in the fact that that God is, is necessarily going to continue the good work in you, the good work of his salvation, bringing life. Look, if you're a believer, here's what you know, right? You know that you're supposed to be better than you are, right? We all know that. We're supposed to be working at this whole, like, Christian life thing, and I'm supposed to be getting better. I'm supposed to be stopping bad things, sin, right? And I'm supposed to be starting good things, right? I know that's supposed to be happening. Like we said, Paul tells us that in the passage, right? He wants us to, be, to grow in love and knowledge and to be pure and blameless. So I know that's supposed to be happening, but here's how I think that we can very easily default to thinking about that. I think we can default to thinking about salvation. Look, even if you think that, that this whole salvation thing, it really is by grace. And so what God does is he gives you salvation. He forgives you of all your sins, and he gives it to you. It's like this thing that you get to have hold and then he says like okay now hang on to that don't lose that don't mess it up right it's up to you now i think we can default to thinking about it like that yes it's sort of grace on the front end but now i I gotta handle my business i bought uh, again junior year of college basically this is sort of trip down memory lane for 1997 98 um i bought a a mattress a new mattress and box springs I went down to the, you know, mattress and box spring store, talked to the guy, got what I needed, and I said, uh, you know, I certainly hope that you deliver. And he says, yes, we deliver. So I have this very, had this very tight staircase that went up to, my, uh, to the top floor, and I said, will you deliver it, and will you get it where it needs to go? Can you get it in there? And he said, oh, man, my guys will get it in. Yeah, my guys will get it in. Guaranteed. He kept saying guaranteed. And I was like, you sure? He's guaranteed. I'm like, or, or it's free? <laughs> and he said, they'll get it in. Like, all right. So I buy the mattress and I go about my day. I come home at the end of the day. He said he would deliver it. Come home and it's leaning up against the, uh, against the wall downstairs. And my roommate said, yeah, they, they kind of tried, but it didn't work. They, they, didn't, they didn't get it. Um, so there, you know, so now I bought this mattress and it was basically like, yeah, we'll deliver it. Like, we got it to you. And now, like... It, here you go, bro. What, you know, it's up to you. I think that's kind of how we can tend to think about, uh, our, our, uh, about Christianity, right? That God delivers the mattress. Here you go. You know, I, I did you a good deal. And now, however useful it is to you, it's, it's kind of up to you. And best of luck with that. But look, Paul says, look, that's not how God operates. That's not how God operates at all. Paul says, God started this and he will finish it. He does everything in between. It's his work. He's going to bring it to completion. So look, that means that, yeah, what does that mean for us? Let's apply that. It means that the Christian life is not, it's not a life living on a treadmill of performance, Right? Where you constantly have to keep up. Um, which is, you know, if you, if you sort of sub- subscribe to the uh, mattress view, um, that's how you would live life. 
like you're on a treadmill. At, at UofL, uh, Rick Patino, the basketball coach, I heard this, you know, players telling about this, that if you get, basically he had a treadmill in the corner running at, uh, at 14, right? So if, you, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with treadmills, that means nothing to you. That's super fast, right? That's like Division I athlete running about as fast as he can, okay? And this is running, and if you do something dumb, he's like, treadmill. And you got to go over there and figure out how to jump on that thing and keep running at 14. Right? And so if you know anything about that, right, you, that's hard to do. That's not, and so I think we tend to think about the Christian life like we're on that treadmill, right? And if you're running on that treadmill, you can't stumble. Because if you stumble, you're done. You are going to crash, right? And so we tend to think about it. Um, uh, yeah, we tend to think like, all right, Jesus has saved me, and that's great. But now I, I've, got to, um, I've got to start reading my Bible more. And so you start running, right? I've got to read my Bible, and, and I'm supposed to be praying, and I'm, uh, I'm supposed to be giving money away. And, and I need to be working at, then you kind of realize like there's this whole like community thing. I'm supposed to be doing community, fellowship, and I, I need to really quit, um, quit doing these bad things. I need to quit looking at pornography, and I need to quit, uh, you know, um, partying like that. And I need to, and so I'm always doing these things, and I'm adding to it, and I, I've got to go faster and faster, and you know, or, or maybe the picture is just more and more weight on you, right? And you can't stumble because if you do, you're done. And if you do feel like you're, you know, if you trip just a little bit, the only answer is to go faster to catch up. And so you more and more good works, right? I, I just got to do more. And there is no joy in that. It's only burden. And look, we, we can get discouraged when we sin, right? Especially if that's the way we think. You know, when our growth, if you're a believer, when your growth doesn't, when you don't see it like you feel like you should. When you look at your life, and, or you have that moment where you did it again. Whatever it is, you know, you struggle with that thing and you're not going to do it anymore, and you do. You know, maybe you, uh, when, you, when you drop your girlfriend or your boyfriend off and, and you've crossed boundaries again that you, you said you wouldn't. Um, when, when, you, when, you, when you cut yourself again, when you, hurt your, when you harm yourself in some way, you said, I'm done with that, and you do it again. When you can't push those lustful thoughts out of your mind like you feel like you should. When, when, those, um, when those thoughts of, of uh, being attracted to the same sex keep, keep creeping in on you. And they just, they, they, it seems like they should have gone away by now. And they don't. Whatever it is for you. I have written down here. Maybe you, read me, uh, maybe you've been utterly compassionless trying to teach your oldest son that he should be compassionate to his little brother. Again, right? Why aren't you nicer to him? Hmm, don't know, wonder why. Um, when you find yourself in those situations, right, 
What we need to hear is what Paul says here. He reminds us of this truth. That look, the work... Because in those situations, you're like, it's just not working. And Paul is looking at us and saying, yes, he is. God is going to finish this good work. He is working in you right now. Even in the midst, like when those things are true, you know, when you find yourself having done it again, this is still true. Jesus is still at work. It's the difference between... uh, Illustration I'm stealing from a friend. It's the difference between focusing on um, the, the builder, the master builder of a building, and all the raw materials, right? If you go to a construction site and you see a bunch of piles of wood and brick and glass and cement, whatever, right? And it, okay, right? It just looks like chaos if you focus on that. But what the master builder can do with that is pretty amazing, right? Like look, you know, look over at Foster. It's a beautiful building. But if you'd seen it right as a, as a construction site, right, it doesn't look like much. Right? The point, and so in other words, the point as we, as we evaluate our Christian lives is not the raw materials, not us. Paul's saying, in a sense, take your eyes off the raw materials and look at the builder. Like, yeah, you may not be where you want to be. But God, the good news, where you can really find joy, is God can do amazing, and will do amazing things with that. He'll finish what he starts. 2 Corinthians 4.16 is one of my favorite verses. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. God says, day by day, being renewed. All right, we've seen God starts the good work. God is continuing the good work. Thirdly and finally, and it's going to be very fast, I promise. We're going to see that God finishes the good work. Because I, look, I just want to end with this one last very quick thought. You see at the end of verse 6 um, and verse 10 that Paul mentions the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, that we will be pure and blameless, that we'll be complete for the day of Christ. So what is that? What's the day... It's basically the day when Jesus comes back and everything is made right. And I just want to end with this thought that I want you to see that one day that is going to happen. And I don't say that to scare you. Like, one day Jesus is going to come back. Are you going to be ready? No. Listen to what Paul says. He's going to make sure you're ready. And Jesus is going to come back. So what does it mean? Look, believer, if you're a believer, hear this. There will come a day when you will be perfect. When you won't even want to sin. There will be a day that will last forever where you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you'll love other people the same way. It is going to happen. And look, if you're not a believer, or you're not sure what you are, but if you're here and you're beginning to think, okay, I won't, that sounds good. How do I know, how do I know if God's begun a good work in me? Because I want that. I would say to you, it sounds like He is.
beginning a good work in you. That's what the beginning sounds like. And I want you to hear this, that, that Jesus offers that to you for free because he offers himself to you for free. And it really is by grace. And it's offered to you tonight. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the, the almost unbelievable truth that you start, continue, and finish the good work in us. That it really is by grace and that you really, you really do it. Yes, you call us to work in that, but ultimately it's up to you. And in that we can find joy. Father, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.